Acts chapter 2. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Should show up in your screen. This is a good, fresh air passage of Scripture. And um, the word that God has given for me today is very simple, and it is simply this Do it again, Lord. I'm really grateful for all the good stuff that's ever happened. All the great moves of God that are happening all over the world. I'm really grateful for the revivals of old. But I don't know about you. I need fresh air today. And I say, do it again, Lord. So Acts chapter uh, 2. Help if I'm in the wrong right book. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. And I don't have us do this very often, but sometimes I think it's good to do. Just in honor of the reading of this is the word of the Lord. If you'd stand one more time, just in the honor of the reading of God's word. It says this, On the day of Pentecost, this is the birth date of the church, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. Lord, we just say, as you poured out your Spirit in days of old, do it again, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The scripture that we're using is sort of our theme scripture for this whole series. Uh, it's taken from the message, Philippians 2, uh, 15, and it says, Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air. That you should be a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. And carry the light-giving message into the night. Philippians 2 and verse 15. I've been thinking a lot about our founder, Paul Cowell, over the last week. And thinking about the early days of this church. Now, if you're new to this church, we kind of have a complicated history. Because our church has had a couple stops and starts. Uh, But this church started, uh, actually not in this building originally, but very soon after its founding... Paul and Jean Cowell, who founded the church, built this building with their own hands. The beautiful woodwork that you see here was built uh, by him. And I always associate the age of the church with with my age, because I was born in 1964. That's when this uh, church building uh, was built and started. So I'm uh, 50, none of your business years old, and uh, so is this church. Uh, So so it had that that start uh, back in... Uh, the 1960s. And then Paul Cowell left and his ministry expanded. Really, to, his life work was to give hospitality to missionaries, which he did at a resort that he founded called Whitestone, and then through uh, mission uh, retreats that he held all over the world. And Judy from our church goes to, she's been to many of those retreats. Uh, she went this year, in fact, uh, to Greece on a retreat where they just bring hospitality and they go to missionaries and they 
And they don't make them go to church and do all that kind of stuff. They bring like massage therapists and they, um, they, um, they, they, they bring uh, counselors and financial advisors and just help people that are in these third world countries and people that feel forgotten and, uh, and they go over there and provide hospitality. So it's an amazing kind of ministry. So he, when he left to do that, we had another great pastor, Morris Bagwell, Judy's husband, and, uh, of course, one of his great claims to fame is he is the grandfather of my son-in-law, uh, Ben. Uh, one of his greatest works, I think. Uh, but anyway, um, he pastored here, I believe, 19 years. Is that 19 years? Uh, and uh, contracted mesothelioma. So the last several years of his life, he was rather ill. And uh, so I came to pastor about a year after his passing, and uh, so the, the, the congregation had stayed together, and we decided in order to really reach out to this community in a fresh way to do what we called a relaunch, so we changed the name of the church, and so we kind of started again. So it's kind of had a couple starts. But, but I want to talk about these early days of this church here, because in the early days of this church, God did something quite amazing. It was uh, the 60s were famous in this country for the hippie movement, and and uh, this church was instrumental in starting a college uh, campus meeting down uh, near the UT campus. And, and kids started coming and coming to the Lord. Um, Irene and Coy, who are here, were really part of those earliest days of the church. Irene first, and then Coy got saved amazingly after a near miss on a submarine accident where he made the Lord some promises. If you get me out of this one, I'll give you my life. And and Coy has been faithful to that. And uh, so Coy is part of that. But But in those early days, the Holy Spirit came in such a powerful way in this church that down in this campus house that they, they purchased, sometimes they would have 200 young people that would come on a, on a Friday night for service down on campus. These were hippies. They, they, uh, some of them were on drugs, and, and many of them del- were delivered from drugs. And at the funeral, uh, Paul's funeral, many of those people that came to the Lord during that time came to the funeral, and their lives have been radically changed uh, as a result uh, of all of that. And... and, and um, what I want to say about that is it wasn't really like a planned strategy of, uh, but God just showed up and there was a, there was a, there was a move of the Holy Spirit and, and I just want to say today, Lord, you did it before, could you do it again? And when I say do it again, I don't mean that it's going to look the same and that means that we're all going to, you know, dress in hippie clothes and, and, and all of that. Because what happens is when, when God does a fresh Work. The Bible says that, that, that new wine comes in new wineskins. And, and, and in, other words, in other words, how God moves today may not be the... Some of you, sometimes I'll hear a song that I'll associate with a particular time in the presence of God when it, it was so meaningful to me. And I'll hear a song and I'll remember a church service we had where the Holy Spirit was just there. But you know, so sometimes we want to go back and well, if we'll sing that song again. You know, if we'll just sing that song, if we'll just bring that atmosphere again, then, then, then we can replicate that. But we can't. God's going to come today in whatever way that he chooses to come today. And so I want to say to God, whatever you want to do in us and through us, and, 
And I'm not just satisfied to look at former moves of God, but just as you moved, Lord, in days of old, and as you moved on the day of Pentecost, and as the, and as the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit came then, I just want to say to God, do it again. Amen. And a lot of people, you know, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, they, they put their defenses on and they get... I, I think, you know, we call it the Holy Ghost or the Holy uh, Spirit and all that, and we kind of we get spooky with all of that. But... But really, the idea was not to, to scare us with this. The idea of the Holy Spirit, the, the Greek word, uh, the, 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 uh, the Hebrew word is ruach. ruach. You, you kind of have to spit when you say it. Ruach. And the reason that, that the word was ruach is because it sounded like what it meant. It sounded like wind. That the Holy Spirit was like breath, ruach. And then the New Testament was pneuma, which, which means breath or wind, that the Holy Spirit comes. And I think I've kind of jumped ahead of myself. It's, it's in your notes. If you're taking notes, let me get to the first things first and say that before you can be fresh air, because we're talking about being fresh air, we must receive fresh air. Before we can go out into the world and introduce people to a living God, we have to have our own encounter with that living God. We have to receive the fresh air, the wind, the breath of God, the, 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 the wind of the Holy Spirit before we can be that fresh air to people around. Amen? Amen. Remember a couple weeks ago, we, as we began the series, I talked about the doldrums. And the doldrums is literally a place around the equator where there's a, a low pressure area where the north winds and the south winds don't blow. And, and, and because of the low pressure, when before there was motorized ships, these ships would sail through, and when they got in the doldrums, a lot of times they would get stuck there for months because there was no, no wind to move them, and some people died because they got in the doldrums. And so, so there's a psychological term that when if someone gets in the doldrums, it means they're kind of in a funk, they're kind of discouraged, they're, 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 they're in a difficult time in a difficult place. But the doldrums means a lack of wind. We need the wind of the Holy Spirit so that the church doesn't get in the doldrums. Amen. Amen. Uh, so... so P- a good definition of death is lack of wind. Before we measured, you know, like brain activity, when, when, when you knew someone died, when the wind stopped, when, when they stopped breathing. So getting out of the doldrums. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit of this wind is something very powerful. In fact, the scripture says that it is the very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. The, the, the spirit that lives in us is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And so what we're seeking from God is that he would fill us with his spirit and that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead would dwell in our bodies. And when people come to our church, they ought to see people like in, in, in the, the book of Acts, whether they literally see it or not, but there's, there's like... Lord set my hair on fire, and apparently he did because it all burned off. But anyway, but you know that that, that there would be there would be something so refreshing about this place that there would be a breath of fresh air that that, that there would say you know there's there's like an invisible flame on these people's heads. These people are on, and, and we talk about that they're on fire. There, there's something about these people like it was in the Book of Acts, so that we could be fresh air and we I just want to say to God today Lord as you did it in days past we invite you 
do it again. At Life Church, we believe, and we teach this in our in our Discover Life class that we'll be having. I believe it's it's not next Sunday; it's the Sunday after the first Sunday of December. This is one of the. Uh, and someone take my Bible for me, will you? Thank you. Appreciate it, Dalen. <clears throat> At Life Church, we believe in being spirit filled and spirit led. Spirit filled and spirit led. And and as I thought about being spirit-filled and spirit-led, I thought about it in this terms of breath or wind. It's inhaling and exhaling, isn't it? Because because when we're spirit-filled, we're receiving the breath of God, the wind of God. When we're being spirit-led, we're walking it out. And and the Bible says that that His Spirit is like rivers of living water that are flowing out of us. So we're a conduit for the Holy Spirit. So not only are we to be Spirit-filled, but we are to be Spirit-led. And I thought about how is it that we can become stagnant. And, and, And if you think about how water becomes stagnant, water becomes stagnant when there's nothing fresh that's going in or there's nothing that's going out. And so I think there's two ways as a church that we can become stagnant or get in the doldrums or or lose the wind of God. And one is if we are always receiving and never giving out. Feed me, feed me, feed me. Ha, feed me. Come Holy Spirit. And leave this place and never exercise the Holy Spirit in the way that we live our lives or allow the Holy Spirit to, to lead us. And so we come on Sunday mornings and there's a, big, there's a big difference between what happens with us on Sundays and with what happens with us on Mondays. But, but really, we need to be breathing in the Holy Spirit, not just one time. And sometimes when we think about being filled with the Holy Spirit, we think about being filled like it's, like it's some one-time occasion. Well, back in 19 such and such, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what the Bible says about the New Testament church? They were filled with the Spirit continually. It ought, it ought to be our prayer, Lord, continually fill me with the Holy Spirit. It's breathing in. Oh, yes, but then as we walk out of this place that we're breathing out, that we're, that we're being Spirit-led. So, so, yes, that the gifts of the Spirit, when, when we're breathing in, that the gifts of the Spirit are manifest among us, and, and that God is still... Hey, by the way, just in case you're wondering, you're in a church that still believes that God is at work today. And that what He did in days of old, He can still do. He still heals people. He still delivers people. God's still on the throne. The gifts of the Spirit are still alive and at work in the church today. Amen. But it's not just enough to have the, the gifts of the Spirit. That's the infillings. But, but the fruit of the Spirit. The love, the peace, the joy, the long-suffering. The, all of those things that come by being Spirit-filled that, that, that work their way out. And so there's this, there's this inhaling and there's this exhaling that must be happening among us. And as churches, we can become stagnant. The other way is that, is that we're, we're always talking about how to live a good life and we never ask God to fill us. And so we can talk with good theology about the theology of the Holy Spirit. We can talk about what God did in days past. We can talk about what it means to be a good Christian and don't do this and don't do that and please do this and all of that. By the way, that's Old Testament law. Can I just tell you, if you want to overcome strongholds in your life, Quit doing it by just trying to be good. Get close to the Holy Spirit. As you get close to the Holy Spirit, 
He'll do things. He'll lead us and he'll guide us into, into all truth. And so, so, so if we're not careful, we can, we can have good theology about the Holy Oh, we believe in the Holy Spirit. I want to do more than just believe in the Holy Spirit. Oh, God, I want to continually receive the Holy Spirit. That's, that's my hunger this morning, church, is to tell us, Oh God, you're no respecter of persons and, and just as you moved in days of old, you can move on us now and we say, come Holy Spirit. We need you. Unless the Lord builds the house, the scripture says, they labor in vain. Who build it. It's not by might. It's not by having good coffee. It's not by welcoming people nicely. It's not by having nice facilities. It's not by having a good worship band. It's not by might and it's not by power, but it is what? By my Spirit, says the Lord, the Holy Spirit. God's got to build his church. And if he builds his church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. Amen. And so we, we, we read two, about two symbols. One was this rushing mighty wind. Now, I grew up in Illinois. We were in tornado com- uh, country. In fact, in Murfreesboro, where I pastored, it was famous for having the the uh, most damaging tornado in the history of the United States that came through there. Hundreds of people were killed uh, back in the 1920s. It was a mile wide. They called it the Tri-State Tornado. It started in Missouri, jumped the Mississippi River, came across Illinois and all the way into Indiana. It was an amazing, an amazing thing. But so we were very aware of tornadoes, and, and we would see tornadoes from time to time. And when a tornado comes... Before the tornado comes, it sounds like a train that's coming. There, there's a silence before the tornado. And then if, you, you know, if there's no train tracks around and you hear, hear a train, you better head for cover. But the Holy Spirit, it, it doesn't come in our lives to do damage and all that. But it comes to blow away It comes to to, to refresh us. The wind of the Holy Spirit comes to refresh us. But the other symbol that we saw was the fire. And the fire comes to purify us. That the Holy Spirit wants to come and he wants to refresh your life. But he also wants to come and purify. One, one good way to think of that fire, I think of the Hebrew, three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that were thrown into the fire. And the Bible says the fire did not burn them, but the only thing that the fire that burned was the ropes that held them. That's what the Holy Spirit does. When the fire of the Holy Spirit comes, the fire doesn't come to do damage to you, but the fire of the Holy Spirit comes to remove those strongholds and to take away those things that are are keeping you from the Lord. And so we just ask God, let the fire of the Holy Spirit burn away those things in me that need to be burned away. Amen. Amen. And so Life Church, the church that you're sitting in, when we were founded, we didn't start like a, in a denomination. We were at, we were part of a denomination, and, and it's okay to be part of a denomination. But whatever denomination you're part of, it's more important that you're part of a movement. I, I've tried to stay away from politics this whole this this whole uh, political season. But can I just say that that I think the Donald Trump folks and the Bernie Sanders folks had something in common. And that was that they both felt like they were part of a movement. They didn't just feel like they were part of a political party. They didn't feel, you know, the, 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 we don't care about party and all that. We're part. I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying anything positively or negatively about any of those uh, because I'm here representing a different king and a different kingdom. Amen? Amen. 
But what I'm saying is in the church, you're not just part of some some church with certain doctrines and law. I don't, I don't want to be just a part of that, but I want to be a part of a movement. And that when the church started, it started not as a denomination. It started as a move of the Holy Spirit. And that's how most denominations started. They started as movements. And so, and so the Catholic Church claims Acts chapter 2 when this move of the Holy Spirit came through as their, as their beginning. Now, I'm a little bit older, so I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you some uh, reference here on, on the Catholic Church. When I was young, and, and actually just a little bit before my time, some of you will remember this, the Catholic Church used to do all of their masses in Latin. Uh, they would do all of the masses in Latin, and, and the priest would not even face the audience. He would face, so if I was speaking, I would be speaking like this, and you would be... And, and, and really the scripture was kind of kept away from the people because it was in Latin and they didn't really want people. There was actually one period of time when the, when the Bibles were chained to the pulpit to sort of keep it away from the people. Uh, but they would point to Acts chapter 2 as being the birth date of their church. But uh, what, one thing that happened... I think just before my time, there was a pope that came along called Pope John the Twenty-Third, and the reason that they made him the pope is because he was so old they thought he would be harmless. <laughs> actually, that's actually true. When you look at the history, the guy was so old they figured this will be kind of a fill-in pope. He won't do anything. And when this pope got there, this pope was hungry for the Holy Spirit. Pope John the Twenty-Third, and he called a Vatican Council, the Second Vatican Council, and here's what he said. I think it's really interesting in terms of our series that we're in right now. He said it was time to throw open the windows of the church and let the fresh air of the Spirit blow through. That's what he said. That's what this Pope said. It's time to throw open the windows of the church and let the fresh air, and, and it was at Vatican II, where they went from Latin to English, and where they started mixing with Protestants, and, and, when they, when, and then a Holy Spirit move within the Catholic Church actually resulted from that. And many Catholics during that time were filled with the Holy Spirit. Back in Illinois, one of my best friends was a nun, Sister Mary Bede, who was spirit-filled and called me her pastor. And she would come to all of our special events. And I would go to the Catholic Church with her uh, for uh, their Mass before uh, uh, at, at Easter time. But something had happened in her so that when she died, she was so well-known in our, our community, that our church held the community service for, for Catholic nuns, Sister Mary Bede. Why could that happen? Because some fresh air had blown in. And had blown away uh, some of those things. And I'm not Catholic and we disagree on theology and all of those kinds of things. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying whatever your theology is, we're not going to get to heaven, by the way, for perfect theology. The Bible says we see through a glass darkly, but then we're going to see face to face. But I don't know about you. On this side of heaven, I want my down payment on heaven, which is the Holy Spirit. In this life. Martin Luther 
had no intention of starting a denomination. He wanted to reform the Catholic Church. He had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and a revelation that we were saved by grace through faith. It affected him so deeply that when he was brought up on charges, he wouldn't recant. And when he wouldn't recant, he wasn't trying to start the Lutheran Church. He was trying to be, he was trying to bring the Catholic Church closer back to the Holy Spirit and back to the book of Acts. And, uh, and, uh, he was kicked out of the church and, uh, and, and had, had his followers continued in that vein, it would have been wonderful. But there was a guy right after him by the name of Philip Melanchthon who wrote down everything that Luther believed and said, now what it means to be a Lutheran is to believe all these things. And they kind of missed the point because they missed the spirit of what Luther had and his encounter with God to, to say now what it means to be a Lutheran. And I'm not saying anything against the Lutheran church because there's many spiritual Lutheran people, but I'm saying whatever... Ba- I grew up Pentecostal. Pentecostals can do the same thing. We look back at William Seymour and the Azusa Street Revival that happened in the early part of this uh, of the century. And, and he was a black pastor. And he was in, in Los Angeles, California. Uh, and he was pastoring this church. This is, this is in a time when, when uh, racial relationships were probably worse than they are today. And, uh, and in fact, when he went to Bible school, he was forced to sit outside of the class in order to receive his teaching. And when he went to, uh, to California uh, and, and the Azusa Street Revival broke out, historians say that, that uh, black people were laying hands on white people and the color line was washed away in the blood. That's good preaching. The Holy Spirit was moving. And when the Holy Spirit moves, it breaks down barriers between us. But if we're not careful, we can say, okay, now this is what it means to be a Pentecostal. We, this, this, this. we believe this, this, and this, and this. And that's all wonderful. But we don't need to just believe what we are. We need to say, come Holy Spirit. Do it again, Lord. However it looks in 2016, do it again, Lord. I don't think there's one way that the Holy Spirit comes and it doesn't look the same thing and uh, like the, the same everywhere. But, but when people come to this church, I want them to experience a difference when they walk in those doors. And the difference is going to be that these people are on fire, that these people have been refreshed, that these people are filled with the Spirit of God. The Methodist church started with a major move of the Holy Spirit. John Wesley. John Wesley was an Anglican priest. And, and he had good theology. In fact, he went to um, Oxford. And he and a couple of his friends were part, called, part of what they called the Holy Club. They, they were trying to live righteous lives. They were trying to be good young men going to college. But there was something missing for John Wesley. And he saw this group of Christians called the Moravians. And when he saw what they had, he said, I want what these guys have. And, and he was on a ship ride, and he heard these Moravians singing, and, he's, and, and there was something in John Wesley's heart that says, I've got to have. I can't just have good theology, and I can't just try to live right, but I need something inside of me that will, that will burn away the, 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 the... I'm trying to live for God on my own. And he said, he said on that night that, that, that something fell away from him as he was listening to those Moravians and he began to worship the Lord. And he, he, he has this famous quote that Methodists talk about today. His heart was strangely warmed. His heart was strangely warmed. 
and, uh, and, and he continued in his Anglican church there. And, uh, um, and, and he would have been a good Anglican for the rest of his life, but these, but these, uh, uh, people were, were coming through his church and their hearts were, were set, being set on fire and they were wanting to go to this new country called America. And the Anglicans wouldn't lay hands on them and send them to America because they were in rebellion to England. But John Wesley said, I'm sorry, I don't care if I'm an Anglican. These guys have the Holy Spirit on their lives and we're going to send them to the United States. And he started ordaining people and they kicked him out of the, they kicked him out of the Anglican church. And he's buried in a cemetery with what's called the dissenters, those who dissented from the Anglican church. Not because he wanted to, but because of the Holy Spirit in his life. He started a movement, and so all these Methodist churches that, that sprang up all over the United States, it was a result of the move of the Holy Spirit. But today, I, I, was, I went back to Wesley's church, and it was a dead doldrums place. And they, and they could talk in, in very educated terms about what happened back then. But there was no freshness of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and that's what's happened. One of the reasons that Life Church is flourishing, I believe, right now, and one of the reasons I think we're seeing some growth in our church right now is because people are saying, I'm not really caring what sign hangs on the front of the door. I've got to have something fresh from God. I need something fresh of the Holy Spirit. Just as you did it before, Lord, you can do it again. And so we've got these Johnsons, these Johnson students here on the front row. They're part of a great move of God that happened in our country called the Restoration Movement. And in the Restoration Movement, there was a, a, some of their leaders said, said things like, we're not the only Christians, but we want to be known as Christian only. And so they started the Christian churches and the churches of Christ. And they said, we don't want any creed but the Bible. We, we don't want any vicar but Christ. No creed but the Bible. No churches but, but, but the churches of Christ. And, 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 so, and so they started, and there was the Cane Ridge Revival that broke out in, that broke out in, 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 uh, in uh, Kentucky, I believe, wasn't it? I think it, I think it was in Kentucky, but anyway, the Cane Ridge Revival. And, and so all the, all through the South, you'll see Christian churches and churches of Christ. And if we're not careful, and I, I like to tease my Christian church brothers and sisters, I call them the non-denominational denomination. And by the way, Life Church can become a non-denominational denominational church. And there's nothing wrong with being a part of a denomination. Don't get me wrong. Don't not misunderstand. Because denomination is really, someone put it to me well, that denominationalism has died. That, that, that's the understanding that our denomination is the only denomination. But denominations are important because it gives us a bucket to put our theology in. And we need a bucket to put our theology in. And Life Church has a bucket to put our theology in. We, we teach what we believe and teach. That's really important, all of that. But if we just become a bucket of theology, we'll die. And we'll be in the doldrums because there's nothing fresh coming in and nothing fresh going out of us. And so, God, you moved on John Wesley, and I want to say, do it again, Lord. You moved on Martin Luther, do it again, Lord. You moved on Pope John the Twenty-Third, do it again, Lord. You moved on Barton Stone and of the of the Christian churches movement, do it again. We used to sing a song: "While on others you are falling." Do not pass me by. 
Do it again, Lord. And so if you're taking notes this morning, our fresh air prayer is do it again, Lord. And then from, from Psalms 126, the message, and now God, do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives so that those who planted their crops in despair will shout hurrahs at the harvest. So that those who went off with heavy hearts will come back laughing with armloads of blessing. Amen. And here's where we've kind of gotten really overcomplicated, I think, with the Holy Spirit. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? How do we receive? And I'm, this answer is going to sound too simple. I know it. I know it will. But I got Bible for it. In order to receive the Holy Spirit, just ask. Just ask. God loves when we... Can I just say this, too, about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is not an it. We used to say, I got it. You don't got it. The Holy Spirit is God himself. Living as a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It's a manifestation of God that lives within us. God doesn't want to give you an it. God wants to fill you with himself flow to you and through you and out of you. Here's my scripture, Luke 11, 9 through 12. And so I tell you, and I love the way it says it uh, in, the, in the New Living Translation. Um, I think in the King James it says, uh, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall knock and the door shall be open. But, but really in the Greek it's the active progressive verb, which so it doesn't just mean ask. It means ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. So I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. Don't get tired of this prayer, in other words, God says. Don't get get tired of the prayer, come Holy Spirit. Don't get tired of the prayer, do it again, Lord. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who, what? Ask. Ask Him. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And we're going to sing. And as I already mentioned, the Holy Spirit's not something that we ask for one time and just... Mark a date on a calendar and say, I got it. I remember the day. Acts chapter 13, 52 says, And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I will will say, you know, um, all of this stuff is happening in our society around us and all that. And if we're not careful, let me just say something, Christians. We don't want to be isolated from the world, but we want to be insulated from the world. And so there's a lot. We can get really involved in all of the, the stuff happening. Someone told me today on the bridge in downtown Knoxville, it's got a very lewd word, blank, our new president. If we're not careful, we can become very infected by all of that. We can become very... But the Holy Spirit allows us, I think, to be thermostats and not thermometers. 
that we don't have to reflect everything that we're feeling in the society around us, but in the middle of whatever, Jesus could just say about Caesar, just give to Caesar what Caesar's. Respect his office, do all of that. But, but we're in a different kingdom here. Give to God what's God's. And what is God's is our highest devotion. What is God's is our greatest loyalties. And I really think it's important right now in a country right now that seems to be divided. Let me just, can I just share with you a dream this morning? I have a dream this morning that this place will be a a multiracial place where people are filled with the Holy Spirit and go empowered from here. Because the Holy Spirit will wash away the color line. It's not the Democrats or the Republicans. It's the Holy Spirit that can break down the walls that divide us. I appreciate what you said, Sister Peddler, this morning. About there's no color. There's no color in God. In God. You are my brother. You're my sister. Wouldn't it be great right here in North Knoxville just to confound the wise and let God do something incredible in our day? And I want to say, Lord, you've done it before. Would you do it again? Come, Holy Spirit. I'm really glad for what you did for Paul Cowell all those years ago, and we honor that. But, Lord... I'm really glad for what you did for Morris Bagwell all those years. I'm really glad for all of that. But God, while on others you are falling, as you've done it before, would you do it again? Is that your prayer this morning? Here's my heart. Is that wrong song?